Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for being full-time in our life. We ask that you please allow us to receive your word today. Let us have interpretation in your word, God. Let us be able to read your word, understand it. God, we ask that you remove whatever veil is over over the eyes of your children. Just remove all of the veils, Father God. Let let everyone, all of your children, all of us, Father God, let us be able to perceive the things that we see and let us understand the things that we hear. Father God, you say in your word, Lord, they do not understand because they cannot perceive his meaning and they cannot hear because they don't understand. And so, God, we just ask that you just please allow everyone that has um, a veil over their eyes or blockage in their ears. God, we just ask that you open their eyes and you open their ears so that they can see things from your perspective and hear things from your from your ears and not their own. So, God, we just thank you that you allow us to understand your word. Let us interpret it and let us pray about all the things that we need to. Each time you show us something, God, let us pray about it. Let us take it to your throne of grace. Let us do what we need to do so that we can sustain in this world. God, we thank you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper in the name of Jesus Christ. Every tongue that condemns us in judgment is condemned. We thank you that we thank you, God, that you will do as you said that you will in your word. So, God, we ask that you please allow Allow your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you in advance for going ahead of us. Thank you for going with us. Thank you for being our rear guard. God, we thank you for just being in our life. We ask that you please allow us to keep our hearts softened and melted for you. Let let our hearts, mind, body, and soul be influenced by you, encouraged by you, inspired by you. And so, God, we attach our motivation to you. We attach our understanding to you, God, our interpretation. We attach it to the Holy Spirit. God, we just thank you so much for giving us the ability to be able to advance in your kingdom by being able to practice in righteousness. And so, God, we ask that you will allow us to subdue all things. And so we thank you right now um, for the power of your Holy Spirit. We just ask that we be obedient to the Holy Spirit. God, let us be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit continue to take residence inside of us and lead us in the path of righteousness. And so, God, we thank you. And um, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for just filling me up. I ask that you please lead me in this discussion. Allow me to discuss everything that I need to today. Don't let me forget anything. But most importantly, um, God, please allow your will to be done in our life, not not our will or anyone else's will, but your will be done. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is still near us, home and blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me today on Lost Life and Health. So today I actually have um, just a special segment on um, Israel. So I have wrote a um, breaking news article or blog about understanding the conflict between Israel and Palestine. I actually wrote this... Um, earlier this week or last week or something like that and so i wanted to talk about it today um i'll continue on in women's health on monday sunday i'll um so i'll i should be able to get done with this news article hopefully um by tomorrow 
So um, what I'd like to do now is just go ahead and talk about some of the conflict between Israel and Palestine. And so I do have another news article that, I'm sorry, a news blog that I wrote about um, in October. And so that was kind of interesting because I'm just really, I was diving a little deep into understanding the conflict um, of what was happening in Israel. And so what that article suggests um, from last month was that Israel and um, Palestine, they are in conflict mainly because of the um, their right to land. Okay, and so I want to kind of dive deep into that today. Um, but the article specifically talked about last month was how the Orthodox Jews are really, um, they were creating a lot of problems within the um, missionary of um, the missionary Jews. And so they were kind of converting a lot of Palestinian um, Christians. And so they didn't want them proselytizing, meaning they didn't want other Christians being converted over into Christianity. And so um, there were a lot of conflict there. Um, but let me go ahead and get into this uh, breaking news um, blog, Understanding the Conflict Between Israel and Palestine. This blog I, I wrote on November 6th. Um, so that, that was just a few days ago. Uh, so I have a video here that I like to look at. But before I do, let's look at this article, um, this Bible verse, uh, Psalm 24 and 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Okay. All right. So let me go ahead and start out. I want to start with this video. This is a video. It's called, this is the true and astonishing story between Israel and uh, Palestine. Okay. So I'm going to just open this up in a new um, tab here. So one second. All right. So this video is about nine minutes long. I'll do some commentary afterwards. Okay. If you have any questions, please go ahead and put them in the chat and I'll respond to you there. Thank you. Today, we're going to immerse ourselves in an utterly mysterious topic, the final battle on earth also known as the Battle of Armageddon, which focuses none other than on Israel. It seems that God has intentionally directed the entire world's gaze towards this nation, and from what we see, Israel is not going to leave this spotlight that only seems to be increasing. But before we delve deeply into this analysis, how about you subscribe to our channel and tell us from where you're listening and how you're feeling today. Now, as we well know, Israel is immersed in a constant battle and unceasing turbulence with the Palestinian people. But to truly understand who the Palestinians are and how this conflict has reached its current point, we need to look back to the times of the Old Testament. There is a key point that we must keep in mind before venturing into this story. God promised the Israelites, his chosen people, that even when he judged them in the last days of the Old Testament, he would continue to be their God and would return them to their homeland, Israel, in the end times, just before Jesus returned to establish his thousand-year kingdom. I'm Pat. And I'm Ashley. This week we're checking out the beauty. 
Since the Jewish people were expelled from Israel in 70 AD, God has managed to preserve their homeland so it doesn't transform into another state, country, or nation under the rule of various populations that have occupied it throughout the centuries. Astoundingly, it was only in 1948 when the Jews officially declared the state of Israel, being recognized by other nations, which shows that God fulfilled his original covenant promise with the Jews made in the Old Testament, to bring them back to their homeland in the last days. Israel, sharing borders with Lebanon to the north, Syria to the northeast, and Egypt to the southwest, was created in a region previously known as Palestine, the Holy Land of the Bible. Our story begins with Moses, who freed his people from slavery in Egypt. After wandering for 40 years in the desert, Moses and everyone over 20 years old were unable to enter the promised land. Then, Joshua and Caleb led the next generation into the promised land, corresponding to the area of Palestine, originally known as the land of Canaan, inhabited by the Canaanites. Joshua led his people through this land, defeating and displacing the nations that occupied the lands God wanted to grant them. After settling in the Promised Land, the Jews formed a tribal confederation and established the biblical kingdoms of Israel and Judah. Later, the Kingdom of Judah was formed, and since then, the biblical kingdoms of Israel, Judah, and Judea were the only independent and sovereign states that ever existed in Israel-Palestine. Surprisingly, no other group of people has managed to establish a state there since the Jews were expelled in 70 AD, when the Romans conquered the region. Palestine became a province of the Roman Empire. Later, with the fall of the Roman Empire, the region passed into the hands of the Byzantine Empire of Christian faith. But the winds of change blew again in 638 AD, when an Arab Muslim caliph conquered Palestine, wresting it from the Byzantine Empire and annexing it to an Arab Muslim Empire. During this period, many inhabitants of Palestine converted to Islam, although the land never officially became a state or country, even under Muslim rule. In a new twist of events in 1099 AD, European Christian crusaders took over the region of Palestine. Despite this conquest, the Crusaders also failed to establish Palestine as an official state or country, instead using the region more as a military base. Then, Palestine went through the hands of Syria, and subsequently, was controlled by the Ottoman Turks. World War I brought more changes. After the defeat of the Ottoman Turks, the British took control of Palestine, temporarily governing it under the League of Nations. However, it is fundamental to highlight that through all these power exchanges and occupations, Palestine never officially became a state or country. Fast forwarding to around the 1850s, Jews began returning to Palestine in small groups. At that moment, the land was quite arid, desolate, and seemingly unattractive. The Jews who returned to Palestine were not disheartened by the desolation of the land. They began to cultivate the land, making it bloom and prosper again. 
This return and the reactivation of the land are undoubtedly an interesting and vital chapter in the region's history. The cause of the land being so desolate for a period is that curiously, no other country or people had decided to claim it as their own. Without a sense of ownership and care, the land was left uncultivated and not utilized to its full potential. But when the Jews returned and the land began to prosper again, others, including Arabs from neighboring Middle Eastern nations, also began to migrate there. This convergence of cultures and the transformation of the land began to sculpt the history we know today. It is common to hear that Palestinians accuse Jews of displacing them, but the historical narrative is somewhat more complex. During the 1850s, Jews returned to Palestine and revitalized the land through their agricultural efforts. Arabs on the other hand, began to return afterward, attracted by the prosperity that the Jews had brought to the region. As the 1850s unfolded, other people including Arabs, began migrating to the region, creating a rich tapestry of cultures. However, both Jews and Arabs became the main inhabitants of this metamorphosing land. When World War II broke out in the 1930s, more Jews sought refuge in Palestine, and after the Holocaust, many Jews from all over the world decided to emigrate there. At the end of World War II, this complicated and varied history had already sculpted the demographic landscape of the region. In the 1940s, Jews, longing for security and independence, returned to Palestine, their ancestral land. However, during the same period, many Arabs were also returning. On May 14, 1948, the State of Israel was officially declared, and the Arabs who now lived there came to be called Palestinians, claiming the land as theirs and not the Jews. Tension escalated after the formation of Israel, and the Palestinians, supported by Arab nations such as Egypt, Iraq, and Jordan, began to oppose the newly formed State of Israel. The Jewish people, however, remained determined to establish their state in their historical homeland. Tensions between Israelis and Palestinians continue to this day, making the conflict one of the most prolonged and controversial in modern history. It's crucial to underline that from the perspective of prophecy, God always intended for the Jews to return to their homeland before the return of Jesus Christ, indicating that we are indeed living in the end times. God promised that when they returned, Israel would be the focus of worldwide attention and contention. Thank you so much for diving into this history and prophecy with me today. Don't forget to leave a comment below and tell me your thoughts about the current state of Israel and what it could mean for end time prophecy. If you find this topic intriguing, make sure... Okay, so this was a very interesting um, YouTube video. Uh, so going back to the 1850s, we see that the Jews sort of revitalized the land and had taken over. Um, even prior to that, back in biblical days. So we also can see that God had pre God basically preserved this land for the Israelites 
as their promised land, okay? So back in 1948, we see that the Jews were recognized by other nations, right? That God was fulfilling his biblical prophecy. And so this was a national um, uh, rec recognized. They were nationally, nationally recognized. And so um, moving forward, we see that Israel was formula, formerly the land of Canaanite. God allowed the Israelites to conquer the Canaanites. Okay. So I want, if you go onto the, the blog, you will see the photo there. Um, this scripture, Deuteronomy 26 through 17, it says, however, in the cities of the nations, the lawyer God is giving you as an inheritance, do not leave alive anything that breathes, completely destroy them. The Hittites. Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites, as the Lord your God has commanded you. So we see this scripture. If you go to your Bible, let's go to Numbers chapter 13. And this is in verse 26. Okay. Numbers chapter 13, verse 26. It says, they came back to Moses. Okay, well, wait. I want to read the one before this. Um... Actually, no, I need to go to the chapter. I think it's 14. Okay. No, it's actually 13. Okay. So in number chapter 13, this is what happened. Let's look at number 13, chapter set. I'm sorry. Uh, number 13, verse 17. It says, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, Right. So we see that Israel was formerly Canaan. All right. The land of Canaan where the Canaanites were. Right. This is right here in Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So in verse 21, it says, so they went up and then they explored the land from the desert of Zen as far as Rohab toward uh, Lebo Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Ahiman, uh, Shishai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lives. So I'm going to get into these descendants in a minute, okay? Um, so th this is where the descendants of Anak live. And so these descendants are considered Philistines, okay? And Philistines are also uh, known as Palestines. The Palestine, the, the Greek named the Palestines, I'm sorry, the Greek named the Philistines, Palestine. So that, that's where they came up with the name. So when we look at this here in verse 22, they went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Ahaman, Shisha, and Tameh, the descendants of Anik, live. So the descendants of Anik are in fact palestines okay 
So you see that Hebrew had been built seven years before Zon in Egypt. So when they reached the valley of Eshko, they cut off a branch bearing a, a, a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried on a pole between them along with some um, pomegranates and figs. The, that place was called the Valley of Eshkel because the cluster of grapes the Israelites had cut off. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Okay, so they you see how they went? So Moses tell them, go out, go explore the land. He wants to know how the soil is. Are the, um, the homes just, you know, are they fortified or not? Um, he wants to know how the fruit is. And so here we go. Let's listen to this report. And I want to kind of break down a report here because this is the perspective of the Israelites looking at the promised land. This is what God, God has given the Israelites, the land of Canaan, which is um, Israel. Okay. So we see in Numbers 13, now I'm in verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron. In the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. Now, now let's pay attention. We're going to pay very close attention to the next verses. This is so pertinent to understand the reflection of the Israelites. And so they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey here is its fruit but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large we even saw descendants of anik there the amalekites live in the negev the hadatites the jebusites and the amorites live in the hill country and the canaanites live near the sea and along the jordan okay and so then Caleb, now man, you, uh, Caleb and Joshua, okay, Caleb and Joshua have the spirit of faith, period. So we're going to, we're going to name Caleb and Joshua, they are filled with the spirit of faith because their reflection is very different, okay? So let's listen so then caleb silenced the people before moses and said we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it verse 31 says but the men who had gone up with him said we can't attack those people they are stronger than we are and they spread among the israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored they said the land we explore devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. Uh, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. So I talked about this, um, this verse before. Because first of all, God has already given them the land. So this is why the video really does reflect that all of the men that were over a, over a certain age could not enter into the promised land because of their lack of faith, right? Um, including Moses. But before I get into that, let's look at the perspective. So they see that the land is filled with milk and honey. It has great fruits. 
right? It has very good fruits. It is powerful. A uh, powerful city is fortified, very large. So you have these strong infrastructures up. But now, instead of them focusing on going back, taking the land, like God said it was their land, they want to mention the descendants of Anak there. The Malachites, the Negev, the Hedatites, Jebusites, and Amorites that live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live there near the sea and along the Jordan. So they're looking at their obstacle instead of looking at the promise that God has given them. So we can't keep our mind focused on the obstacle or the barrier because you have to understand that when God says that you have been given a, you have been given this land, that means that God has given it to you. So it doesn't matter what your situation may be in life. We need to understand that when God makes a promise, his promise is going to be fulfilled just like he did it with Israel. Okay. So that was not the Israelites land. It was not. Okay. But God promised them the land. Why? Why did God promise them the land? Because as it says in the Bible in Psalm 24 and one, the earth is the Lord's. Everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. Okay? So this is where we're going to really try to dive deep in understanding what is taking place here. And not just in Israel, but how we as believers of Christ can take the word of God and be inspired by the promises that God has made in Israel. Okay? And so we see that now... The Israelites, after they've come back, they want to focus on the Amalekites, the Anak. They want to focus on the Hethites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the, the Canaanites. They focusing on all of the wrong things, right? Instead of them saying, look, I want some more milk and honey. I'm going to go get my fruit that God promised me. I want to go live in one of them fortified buildings. They want to talk about the descendants of who are living there. Okay, so this is right now they're feeling intimidated. But see, it doesn't matter what situation that you experience or what you're going through. You cannot be intimidated by the enemy. God said, this is, this is your land. This is your land. God says that you're going to get that job. You're going to get that job. If God says that you that house is yours, it belongs to you. That means you're going to get it and it belongs to you. If God says you that car, that he's going to help you get that. That's the car that you're going to have to get back and forth to work in to take care of your business. That's the car that you're going to have. So whatever God says, God never recants or take back his promises. All of God's promises will be fulfilled. So this is about setting the tone in God's promises. Setting the tone. God sets the tone in his promises. So we see Caleb is saying, look, we should go back up there and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. So you have to remember that the Anak uh, descendants are really giants. These are giants to them. So we see in verse 31 where the people is saying the men that went up there with, with them, Joshua and Caleb, they saying we can't attack those people. 
They are stronger than we are. So if you see yourself as being defeated, then you're going to be defeated. Before they even went back up there, all they did was scout the land for 40 days, come back, and now they want to talk about all these other problems about how they're, they're, they're weak or then the people that live there. They not only said that they're, the people that live there are stronger than them, but they also says that, you know, that they are great in size. So they are intimidated by their size, intimidated by everything about them. They even say, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. So they feel defeated. So if you are going through life and you, you feel like you have, you're not worthy. You don't have the ability to, you know, succeed. You have, um, you know, identity issues or you're going through some mental health concerns that you want to take care of. Whatever it is you're going through, it's leading you to have some self-esteem issues. Because clearly, this is what the Israelites were having. They were having some self-esteem issues. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. So if you see yourself as being defeated, you're going to be defeated. I can want everybody in the world to be great. But if you're not looking at yourself as being great then you're not going to accomplish great things. So as a man think it, so is he. That's what the Bible tells us. As a, as a man think it, so is he. Okay. So he is. All right. And that is in the verse of uh, Proverbs 23 and 7. For as he think it in his heart, so is he. So if you think that you're not going to get the job, guess what? You're not going to get the job. So it's no point of continuing to talk about it. You're, you are having inverted faith. That's doubt and unbelief. And I've already talked about how doubt and unbelief is a contaminant. It contaminates and distort your mind. So God doesn't want our minds contaminated. He doesn't want our us thinking. Uh, he does not want our thinking to be doubtful. If you, they are looking at themselves as grasshoppers. So their enemies, he say, they say, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. So we look the same to them. So they believe that they not only are grasshoppers in their own eyes, but they believe their enemies look at them as grasshoppers. See, you can't be concerned about what your enemy think. You can't be concerned about what they said about you. You can't be concerned about them saying, well, you can't get this car and she not going to get that house and he not going to get married and she not. And you can't listen to the doubt. And unbelief. You have to tell people to keep their doubt and unbelief to themselves. 
Go ahead and keep your doubt and unbelief to yourself. Don't spread that contaminant of doubt and unbelief around. Keep your doubt and unbelief to yourself. If you're not going to get the job, that's your belief. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, I serve a God that created the heavens and the earth, so there is nothing impossible for God. I have favor going and coming, so I don't need to hear your doubt and unbelief. Keep your doubt and unbelief to yourself. That's what you have to tell people. You have to tell people to keep their doubt and unbelief to themselves. Because either way it went, what was the purpose of them saying? What was their purpose of saying that we are like grasshoppers? We we can't we can't attack them. What was the point? So you have to understand everybody has a motive. They have a point. What is your point to spread your doubts? Because you feel that the person not going to get the job or because you feel that person is not going to get the car or because you feel they're not going to get the house or because you feel they're not going to do this. Who cares? Keep your doubt and unbelief to yourself. And so that's what you have to tell people. But Caleb, he he wasn't even trying to hear none of that. He he didn't care about what they were talking about, the descendants of Anak, the Amalekites, the Hadites. He said, look, we should go up there and take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. See, we need more Caleb's in society. The, the Caleb's in society are going to be the ones that say, hey, hey, uh-uh, no, no, no. That's, that, that's ineffective. It's not about what they should be doing. It's not, no, 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 no. That isn't working. When something doesn't work, it's proven what? Ineffective. What are your alternative approaches to this matter? So we see that the conflict with Israel and Palestine is continuing. Okay, so in the Deuteronomy, we see that Deuteronomy 20 and verse 16 and 17 is what I had just read prior to reading the Numbers 13. So, however, in the cities of the nation, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. The city... God is giving the cities of the nations. God is giving this promised land to the Israelites. God is giving you as an inheritance. So do not live, do, do not leave alive anything that breathes. Completely destroy them. The Hittites. Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hevites, Jebusites, 
as the Lord your God has commanded you. And so what did they do? They went over in the land and they destroyed the Hattites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jubizites. They destroyed them all. Okay. And so the reason why this had to take place here was because uh, we see that um let's turn we're gonna go to leviticus let's go to leviticus chapter 18 okay leviticus chapter 18 and so some of the stuff that the canaanites were doing it was just unlawful they had unlawful sexual relations and so let's go to leviticus chapter 18 it says the lord said to moses speak to the israelites and say to them I am the Lord, your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt where you used to live. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan. So remember the land of Israel is formerly known as Canaan. All right. Because we just saw this in Numbers 13. We also see this in Deuteronomy in, in chapter 20. So Canaan, do not do as they do in Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord, your God. Keep my decrees and laws for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. And so God basically gives a breakdown of not to have sexual relations they had a lot of incest going on there they really did they had a lot of incest incest and all type of sexual immorality taking place so you could look at that in um leviticus chapter 18 and so we also see that the canaanites they had their canaanite gods they had um their father of gods, they're supposedly lady of the sea. They have a, a print, their bell god, which is a satanic. All of these things are, are satanic. They have the prince of the earth, which is bell. They also have bell's uh, war and fertility um, god. They they have the bell sister. They have the another, um, they just have all these type of... Uh, Canaanite gods and I have a picture here that, that shows it so we're now we're going to look at uh Japheth the Ham and Sham so let's look at their their tree so the Bible shows us that so Noah Noah is basically um the the fought the dead for Japheth Ham and Sham so from the Bloodline Japheth, you have the Greeks, um, the Scythians, and for the most part, the descendants, these descendants of Japheth, uh, settled in Europe and Asia Minor. The descendants of Ham are the Canaanites, the Egyptians, the Philistines, the Hattites, and the Amorites. And so these descendants, they settled in Canaan, Egypt, and Africa. 
The problem was, is that we see that the descendants of Canaan, the Hittites, the Amorites, all of these, they were having sexual incest. They were doing all type of sexual immorality and having demonic gods. They were worshiping other gods. So the bloodline of Shem, you have Hebrews, the Chaldeans, the Assyrians, the Persians, the Syrians, the Syrians. I mean, um, and so they come from the descendants called, uh, they come from the descendants of Abraham, which is Isaac, Jacob, David, and Jesus. Okay. So the Canaanites came from the bloodline of Ham, Noah's grandson, found in Genesis 9 and 18. So we look at this in order to explore the complete history of what take what had taken place in the promised land. You have to understand who was able to enter into the promised land and where the descendants come from. So the sons of Noah we already have there Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. And so looking here, we can see that the descendants of Noah and Japheth, it, you have Gomer, Magog, Medea, but I, I basically list all, all of them are listed here. Okay. And so you can see the descendants of Shem and also the descendants of Ham. And so when you look here, um, you can clearly see that uh, Ham's descendants were Canaan. Canaan. And so Noah's nakedness, it was Noah's nakedness and Canaan's curse. Okay. And so let's look at that. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 9. Okay. Because I wanted to do like a very thorough explanation of israel and um palestine conflict so in genesis chapter 9 verse 20 through 29 it says noah a man of soil proceeded to plant a vineyard when he drank some of the wine he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent ham the father of canaan saw his father naked and saw his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves. Will he be able Will he be to his brothers? The lowest of slaves, will he be to his brothers? He also said, praise be to the Lord, the God of Sham. May Canaan be the slave of Sham. May God extend Japheth's territory. May Japheth live in the tents of Sham. And may Canaan, may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. Noah lived a total of 950 years and then he died. So we see here that the Canaanites was cursed. But I also want to go back into Leviticus chapter 18 too. We see that 
God is also talking about the unlawful practices of those who live in Egypt and also Canaan. So when they're worshiping these other gods, so like right now in today's society, you see a lot of celebrities that worship sun gods. So these sun gods that they're worshiping are the sun gods out of Egypt. Okay. There are a lot of different sun gods. They are worshiping these gods. And so that's why I have the Canaanite gods listed right here so that you can see. And you can also see that the Canaan tribe came from Ham, which are descendants out of Canaan, which is Israel, Egypt, and Africa. Okay. All right. So now moving forward it says um so so what we see is that um we see that in verse 24 genesis chapter 9 and verse 24 many scholars they question what ham did to noah according to the strong's concordance the word done is the strong's is strong's number 6213 and the hebrew word asah which is pronounced assault, assault, which means to do or make. Therefore, this means Canaan did something to his grandfather to receive a curse. So looking here in verse 24, it says, when Noah woke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him. So I looked at the word done in Hebrew um, from the Strong's Concordance. And that word is pronounced asa, which means to do or make. So when he, when he, whatever he did, he did something to him to do or make. He make, he made him do something. He did something to Noah for him to receive a curse. All right. So the first thing is we see that Canaan. Ham's son, Noah's grandson, is under a curse. So the land of Canaan is what? Israel is the former name of Canaan. So that's where the Canaanites went to. Those are out of the Ham descendants. Canaan and his descendants went to Canaan. Right? So what we're looking at here is Moses moving forward back to Moses, right? Moses was never allowed to enter the promised land because of his lack of faith, because of his lack of faith with the Israelites, okay? With the Israelites who were exiled out of Egypt, and we see this in Exodus 14 and 17. So let's look at it. It says, let's go, I'm going to look at verse uh, Exodus 14. Let's see, I'm going to look at Exodus 14 and... Let's see here. Oh, 
Okay, so we see in um, Exodus uh, 14 and verse 11. Let's look at verse 10 and say, And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have, have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. So basically what they're going through right now, they're having doubt and unbelief when God is promising them the promised land. They like, look, they could have been, they wanted to stay as slaves in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. They wanted to stay as slaves in Egypt. And so what we see here is that in uh, verse 13, it says, And Moses says to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? So tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over the over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And so if you look at this entire uh, three books these three chapters here um out of exodus exodus 14 15 16 and 17 you'll see that you see that moses was crying to the lord and when god gives you something you don't have to feel that you don't have it like for instance i had a dispute with you know um some stuff that was going on in school I'm, I'm not letting that stuff bother me anymore. I have to stay focused. God already said that he has promised me. He said that you will fulfill my purpose. I was 19 years old, 18 or 19, when my pastor, Todd, prophesied over me that came directly from God. God said that you will go places that no man will dare to go and God will use you to snatch them back into his kingdom. Those were the exact words. So it doesn't matter about what it may look like on the outside. God has created me to be a disruptor of cultural norms. I am a disruptor of cultural norms. So I really advocate for people because I grew up in a community that was impoverished and underserved. I really care about people. So my goal is to advocate for the voiceless. 
God knows that. God, that's God's plan in my life. And so his plan will be fulfilled. It doesn't matter what the situation may look like physically. We can't go by what we see. We have to go by what God tells us. And so um, we look here on, I have a map and it shows the Egyptian domain. It also shows the um, Egypt, Memphis uh, zone area. It shows the land of Canaan, which is uh, um, the new Israel, right? We see that it has Damascus on there, which is north of uh, Canaan. All right, it just shows a map of uh, the entire area. And it also has um, Moses, where Moses died in the uh, Abarim range on Mount Nebo in Moab across from Jericho, a land that God delivered into the hands of Joshua. Okay, Joshua. So this was really nice to um that God had had given um Joshua the 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 land. Hold on one second. My my phone was messing up there. Okay. Okay. And so next we see that the promise to Abraham and his offspring. So now let's look at all of this. So we see that Noah's curse was on Canaan. Canaan was re relocated to the to the city of Canaan, right? So Israel is the former Canaan. So we needed to understand the root and where um, the Canaanites come from. So they come from Noah's son, Ham's son, Canaan. So the promise to Abraham and his offspring, we can see this in Genesis chapter 12 in verse one through three in verse seven. And so it says, now the Lord says to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. You see this? So let's specifically pay attention to this verse. God is saying, look, leave your country, your kindred, your father's house to the land that I will show you. So God is showing Abraham the land. All right. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonor you. I will curse. And in you, all the families of earth shall be blessed. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord. So the interesting part about this is many people do not know. But Abraham wasn't Iraqi. Okay, he was a, originally a Chaldean, which is an Iraqi. Okay, we, we see this in um, Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, verse 31, and Genesis uh, chapter 15, verse 7. 
Okay. So let's look at here. So Genesis chapter 11, verse 31, it says, uh, Terah took his son, Abram, his grandson, Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law, Sarai, the wife of his son, Abram. And together they set out from Uz of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when, when they came to Haran, they settled there. So you see, Tira took his son, Abram, and his grandson, Lot, right? So they had set out from, from Ur of the Chaldeans. So now let's look at Genesis chapter uh, 15 and 7. It says, he also says to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. So the Chaldeans, we see that we see that here is Abraham was Tira's son, originally originally a Chaldean, which is in an Iraqi, okay, who was given promised land. A Chaldean is considered Iraq today. It is known as Southern Babylonian. All right. So that that is what that is. Okay. So if you didn't know, um, Abraham was an Iraqi. Okay. So he come from the Southern um, part. Well, Chaldean is considered Iraq today. And it is known as Southern Babylonian. And so I have a map here. Let's look at the map. The map shows Assyria, Mari. Um, it shows Mesopotamia, including Babylonian. All right. And it shows you where the land is. And so um, this is due to the sins of the, the Canaanites and Amorites, which can be found in Genesis 15 and 16. So the sins of the Canaanite and Amorites is the reason why God was able to give. So it says in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. See, God really, really pays attention to sin. And, and the Bible talks about, I want to kind of shift focus a bit here. Um, And I want to go to another verse. It talks about sin being full grown. Okay. So let's go to James chapter one, verse 15. It says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And so we see that that's in the New Testament. So that, that would be considered the Greek. So the Bible is comprised of two different um, testaments. The Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew scrolls, and the New Testament, which is written in Greek. And, and so we see that the first five books of the Bible, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those five books are considered the Torah. Okay, that is considered the law. So we look at the New Testament, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, 
That is considered the Gospels. That's the four Gospels of where it talks about Jesus Christ and his life here on earth. It talks about the life of Jesus and everything about him while he was here on earth. So we see that Jesus Christ was, he was brought just a little lower than the angel. So he became human. So God was 100% man and 100% God. So he wanted to show us that he could become just like us and still be without sin. And so he was able to do that because he received the, the Holy Spirit. Um, when John the Baptist, which is his cousin, baptized him, he received the Holy Spirit. And so we see that Jesus was here on earth and he was equipped with the Holy Spirit. So although he was attacked, he never, ever, ever, not once used his godly power to defend himself. Okay. And so that is what we see. So God, Jesus Christ was 100% man and he was 100% God. When he died on the cross, he resurrected. He was on he resurrected in 3 days after dying, being crucified. So, the Roman Catholics crucified him. And the the priests, the religious Pharisees, the hypocrites, okay? The hypocrites that were Jews, religious Pharisees killed and crucified Jesus Christ. Now, the Roman Catholic the Roman Catholics, Pontius uh, Pilate, he is the one who authorized the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Even though he tried to like basically wipe his hands of it, he really didn't. But what we see today is there are a lot of Roman Catholic churches. But many of the Roman Catholics or the religious Pharisees that are within the Jewish community... Um, they do not really discuss their uh, accountability for what had taken place with Jesus. So we also, if we fast forward to the book of Revelation, and um, I believe Revelation 3, 9 or Revelation 2, 9. Let's look at that. Revelation, uh, it says, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. So we see that they're going to come, they're going to be some Jews that are from the synagogue of Satan. So a synagogue is an assembly. It's basically like a gathering of a church okay so you have the local church where you go to church and so you have the body of christ which means that your body is a part of the body of christ jesus christ is the head and you are a member of the body so that is the different this difference from your body of christ which is the church right the body is the church but you had a local church and then you had the body of christ which is also the church so that's more of like a spiritual sense of the body of christ and understanding that so moving forward we see that the jews some jews are going to claim to be jews but they are really from the synagogue of satan so they from the, the church of Satan, 
Okay. Um, so now let's go back. I, I want to go back here and look at this. So we see that the Canaanites and the Amorites, they were in the land of Canaan, which is now today considered Israel. This promise that was made to Abraham was confirmed by God. When the Jews was exiled out of Egypt. Now remember when they were exiled out of Egypt with Moses. God allowed them to cross the sea. And Caleb and Joshua went over there. They defeated the land. Okay. So they were able to get into the promised land. So it wasn't just, you know, like uh just like some land that they were never going to be able to obtain this promise that was made to abraham was confirmed by god so when the jews were exiled from egypt god promised them the promised land which can be found in multiple scriptures and so we see um let's go to exodus 6 and 8 so I'm going to pull up all of these scriptures really quick. So there is like really no confusion at all surrounding this. Okay. Okay. We see Exodus 6 and 8. We see uh, Genesis chapter 12 and 7. Also, we have Genesis 26 and 5. We have Genesis 13 and 5. Okay. We have uh, Genesis 15 and 7, which I just read. We also have Genesis 15 and 18. Um, Genesis 17 and 18. Okay. We also see this in uh, Genesis 50 and 24. Th this is all considered the Torah now because it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. So Le uh, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 24 we also see this in Numbers 14 and 8, and we uh, see it in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10, Deuteronomy um, 31 and verse 20. We also see this in Joshua 5 and 6, chapter 5, verse 6, and we also see this in Judges chapter 2 in verse one all right so let's look at the first one let's go to genesis chapter 12 verse 7 it says the lord appeared to abram and said to your offspring i will give this land so he built an altar there to the lord who had appeared to him so that's that's the first one we see right another one genesis 26 2 through 5 the lord appeared to isaac and said do not go down to egypt live in the land where i tell you stay in this land for a while i will be with you and i will bless you for to you and your descendants i will give all these lands and will confirm the oath i swore to your father abraham i will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because abraham obeyed me and did everything i required of him keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. So we see God is also promising Isaac the promised land as well, okay? We see this also in Genesis chapter 13, verse 15. It says, all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. 
Genesis 15 and 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to, said, to your descendants, I give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. Okay, this is the promised land. Once again, we see God making a covenant promise. Genesis 17 and 8. The whole land of Canaan. The Canaan, we see, is Israel. The exact map um, that I have below here, it shows the holy land. Then was Canaan. Now is Israel. Okay. So the whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God, okay? So basically, the Israelites are foreigners in the land of Canaan, which is now Israel, okay? So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 50, verse 24. It says, then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So after each descendant, the promised land is promised. It's promised. Okay. Another covenant God is making. We see in the Torah and Leviticus chapter 20, verse 24. But I said to you, you will possess their land. I will give to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord, your God, who has set you apart from the nations. God has set you apart from the nations. We also see in Numbers chapter 14 and verse eight, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land a land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Once again, the Israelites are giving another promise. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob to give you a land with large flourishing cities, that you did not build. Let's look at let's look further on this. That you did not build houses filled with all kinds of good things. You did not provide wells. You did not dig and vineyards and olive groves. You did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Like this is the best one right here. I mean, all of them are really good, but this is just like God is being very, very thorough in his explanation. And he's saying like, look, you didn't work for this. I'm giving this to you. I'm giving this to you. Okay. See, that's the thing about God. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us life. He gives us free will. 
He gives us the choice to voluntarily love him. We voluntarily choose him. We have free will. So let's look at Deuteronomy 31 and 20. When I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised on oath to their ancestors, and when they eat their, their field and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. Okay. So let's look further on this after verse 20. Okay. It says, breaking my covenant. And when my disasters and cal calamities come on them, this song will testify against them because it will not be forgotten by their descendants. I know what they are disposed to do even before I bring them into the land I promised them on oath. So Moses wrote down this song that day and taught it to the Israelites. You can read that in Deuteronomy chapter 31. So in Joshua chapter 5 verse 6, the Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord for the Lord has sworn to them that they will not see the land he has solemnly promised their ancestors to give us a land flowing with milk and honey so this is the reason why Moses and those other young men the ones that was doubting the ones that like you know we can't defeat them the people it took them 40 years where the journey was literally supposed to have taken about 10 to 12 days for them to get to the promised land. But instead, they were so doubtful, God allowed them to wander in the desert. And literally, God provided them with food like manna falling from the sky. And they still was doubting God. They still was doubting God. Even after he was providing them manna, food that was falling from the sky. For 40 years, he provided for them, and they still continue to doubt God. So many of them, once they reached a certain age, they some of them died, but they could not go to the promised land. So let's continue. Judges chapter 2, verse 1. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land. I swore to give your ancestors. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Exodus chapter 6, verse 8. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hands to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. So you see, there are all of these verses that God promises the promised land. So, if you look at this map, you can see like how uh, uh, Lebanon is there now. Lebanon used to be Phoenicia. Um, it looked like the area of Phoenicia. You have um, uh, Syria. That looks like it used to be a ram or Gesher. You have the Jordan, what looks like it used to be uh Amon, um, Moab, which is looks like a part of uh Jordan too, and Edom, which is a part of Jordan. You have um 
Amalek, which looks like a little bit south of Israel, where the land of Canaan used to be. You have Saudi Arabia, which is considered like the old uh, Midian. And you also have Egypt, which is still Egypt. So that's the only thing that doesn't look like it really changed was Egypt. But you have some cities in the middle, like have they have outskirts and stuff like that. But the point of the matter is, is that Canaan is now Israel. Okay. So when we look at, why is my screen doing all of this? Just give me one second, everybody. Okay. So, um. Israel used to be called Canaan. So God sought to destroy the Philistines. Okay. God wanted to destroy the Philistines. And um, we can see this in Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 2 verse 5. It says, Woe to you who live by the sea, you Carathite people. The word of the Lord is against you. Canaan, land of the Philistines, he says, I will destroy you and none will be left. So this is a direct connection to what God is saying in his word. Zephaniah chapter two, verse five. So the land of Canaan is formerly the land of the Philistines. Okay. And so when we go back up, let's go back up, reverse let's reverse okay so we're gonna look at when we look here we see that the philistines come from ham descendants they where did those descendants settle in the land of canaan egypt and africa all right so that is what it is and so um okay now what i wanted to point out here is that since abraham abraham is also you know considered a chaldean which is an iraqi person um but ishmael his mother like i'm, I'm about to talk about them in a second so let me just i don't want to i want to go in order so let me just stay on topic okay everybody so i don't want to move too fast all right, so Israel used to be called Canaan. So God sought to destroy the Philistines according to Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 5. Um, and they had occupied the land of Canaan. So there were enemies of the Israelites, which are listed below, according to the Bible. So you have Edom, right? So Edom was is where is it located now? Today is located in the Jordan, it's located in southern Jordan. You have the Ishmaelites, which um, Ishmael was the father of all of the Arabs. But I don't really, this is what I don't like about that part. So I'm not going to consider, I'm not going to all the, I'm not going to say that's all the way true. Because see, Abraham was an Iraqi, but Ishmael's mother was an Egyptian. So Ish, Ishmael was part Egyptian and he was also uh iraqi all right so that statement there isn't all the way conclusively accurate all right so you also have the another enemy of um 
the Israelites are Moab, which are part of central Jordan today, which used to be the actual city in Jordan was called Moab. All right. They shared um, Edom, Moab, and Amon. And so you also have Hagarinus, which is out of Egypt. That's Hagar, right? Hagar is Ishmael's mom. So you have Hagarness, which is out of Egypt. Um, Gebel, which is out of Lebanon. And so Lebanon doesn't exist there anymore. Uh, well, Lebanon exists today, but it was part of an area that was really considered um, Phoenicia. Okay. And so now you have this like city that was emerged that's called Lebanon. So you have Gebel that are now Lebanon. Amon, who is actually in the city of Jordan now, because Amon used to be actually in the, the same exact location as Jordan, but um, it's now considered northern Jordan. All right. And you have Amalek, which is Esau's descendants, right? So Esau is the one who was originally supposed to get the blessing from Isaac, but he did not because his brother Jacob acted like him when he um, received the blessing from his father Isaac. So the Amalekites or yeah, the Amalekites come from um, Esau's descendants. And then you have Philistia is off of the Gaza Strip. All right, the Gaza Strip. Assyria, which is out of Syria and Iraq. Um, you have the Jordan, which is south of Syria. And so that was, they used to be considered Gesher or Aram. All right, but now it's considered Syria. All right, and that's also a part of Assyria, which is uh, Syria and Iraq. Right. Um, so you have uh, Tyre Phoenicia, which is now considered southern Lebanon. And now you have Aser, which is considered Assyrians. And then you have the children of Lot, which are the plain, plains of Jordan. And we can see this in Genesis chapter 13 and 11. And then you have uh, Zeba and uh, Zalmunna which is the kings of Midianites out of uh, the book of Judges, chapter 8, verse 5. And then you have Oreb and uh, Zeb, which is princes of Midians, and out of Judges 8 and um, verse 3. So we see uh, Midian is considered Saudi Arabia today, okay? So you have Canaan which is now Israel. You have Phoenicia, which is now Lebanon. You have um, Gesher and Aram, which is now Syria. You have Edom, Moab, and Ammon, which is uh, considered the Jordan today. And um, so you have Egypt, which is always Egypt, and Saudi Arabia, which used to be called Midian. All right. So we go to Psalms chapter 83, verse 5 through 8. Let's read this. It says, with one mind, they plot together. They alley against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagarites, Byblos, Ammon and 
Amalek, Philistia, with people of Tyre, even Assyria has joined them to reinforce Lot's descendants. Okay? So you see all of those places that I just named. Literally, are enemies of Israelites. So these are like um, Assyria are the people from Lot's descendants. So you have the people that's on out of Syria and Iraq who are part of uh, Lot. Remember the book of Lot when in Sodom and Gomorrah, um, not the book of Lot, I'm sorry, in the where it talks about Lot and his family, they were in Sodom and Gomorrah and um so that was a city of sin like um sexual immorality of just just gay it was gayness spread everywhere and so you see that lots descendants were able to get out of sodom and gomorrah but his wife she turned around and looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt because she wasn't supposed to look back. That was the only thing. She, she, When she turned and looked back, she was thinking about the things that she was giving up. So instead of looking forward to the promised land that what God was giving her. So we see that Ishmael is a part of this. Okay. So you have Edom. Edom, which is out of the Jordan today. You have uh, Ishmaelites, right? Um, the Ishmaelites, uh, you have Moab of the Hagarites out of Egypt who are enemies. You also have, uh, Byblos, um, Amon and Amalek, which is a part of parts of Egypt too, right? You also have Felicia, um, which is, uh, the Gaza Strip, right? You have Tyre, which is a uh, part of Southern Lebanon. Lebanon, right? And um, Assyria, which is Assyria and Iraq. So you have all of these people who are actually um, enemies to the Israelites. So Ishmael also, um, Ishmael, which is Abraham's son, she was born, I'm sorry, Abraham's son born from Sarah's maid servant, Hagar right so she this lady she was an egyptian woman and we see this in, in genesis chapter 16 okay it says now sarai abram's wife had borne him no children but she had an egyptian slave named hagar so she says abram abram the lord has kept me from having children Ghostly with my slave, perhaps I can build a family through her. So you have to understand the descendants of Abraham through Ishmael are Egyptian and Iraqi. Okay. So Ishmael also had an Egyptian wife, according to the scriptures. We see this in Genesis. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 21, verse 8 through 21. It says, the child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham had held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son 
whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham, was mocking. See, this is the second time it talks about the Egyptian woman, right? So, Hagar, which is Ishmael's mom, is Egyptian, had born to Abraham, was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son, Isaac. Okay, so we see that Sarah, or Sarai, she was not liking the fact that Ishmael was mocking. So Ishmael had to leave. But Ishmael also had his own wife and she was also an Egyptian. So let's look at that. So it says here, let's go all the way down from Genesis chapter 21 to verse 20 and 21. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. So an archer is somebody who has, you know, like, they they a boy arrow and so while he was living in the desert of paran his mother got a wife from him for him from egypt so ishmael's wife was egyptian too so but since ishmael grew to mock them several wanted him out the attitude of ishmael caused abraham to banish him but the ishmaelites later became enemies of israel so that you got to understand this now i hope everybody following along all right so ishmael he became an enemy of israel even though god blessed him god did bless bless ishmael but the ishmaelites I'm I'm sorry, not not Ishmael. The Ishmaelites, which come from the descendants of Ishmael, they became enemies of Israel. Okay, so what I'm what I don't like to probe like this, but I'm gonna say it because we're supposed to study the Word of God through exegesis, which is looking at the Word and reading it exactly the way that it says, and we study theology, which is the study of the Scripture. But we do it through hermeneutics, which allows us to look at the word exactly the way that it is written. Eisegesis is the study of scripture when you form your own opinion. I don't like to do that, so I don't do that. But what I would like to suggest is that the Ishmaelites becoming enemies of Israel probably did have a lot to do with Ishmael being banished from the land okay because you have to understand that descendants teach their descendants other things like in society people teach hate people don't come out of the womb hating someone hold on one second everybody i have to get my chart
Okay, I'm back, everybody. Thank you all so much for holding. Okay, so what I wanted, to, what what I okay, so when people are born, they're they're not born with hate. Hate is a learned behavior. Love is a learned behavior. Before you knew how to love, you didn't know how to love. Before you knew how to hate, you never knew how to hate. Before you knew how to be a friend, you never knew how to be a friend. So people learn how to love. They learn how to hate. And so you have to understand that stories are usually passed down from generation to generation. And so I just wanted to suggest that the influence of the Ishmaelites becoming enemies of Israel could largely be contributed because Ishmael was banished. Okay. So next we have the inner circle map, which overlays the ancient names of Psalm 83 verse six through eight. And so 83 verses six through eight is where I talked about where it says, with one mind, they plot together, they ally against you, the tents of Edom, the Ishmaelites, of Moab and the Hagarites, Bablos, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia with the people of Tyre, even Assyria has joined them to reinforce Lot's descendants. So that scripture, Psalm 83, verse 6 through 8. Is it verse 6 through 8? Let me um pull that up again. Because I have 5 through 8 on here, and then I have 6 through 8 on the other one. So I believe. It should be Psalm, it should be Psalm 83, 5 through 8. Yeah, it's 5 through 8. I'm going to have to correct that one because it's not 6 through 8. It's 5 through 8. Okay. So we see um, this scripture here shows a map of the enemies of Israel. So we see how it's kind of overlapping a little bit. So we see these overlays of the ancient names of the Psalm of uh, Psalm 83, 6 to 8, which is sort of like the confederation over their modern day counterparts, right? So the map where it shows in red actually shows where they are in the old day, right? In black, it shows the current day. So we see um damascus is by assyria and i just kind of went over that you, you see that gabel or tyre is by lebanon israel used to be like uh canaan near uh felicia uh amon moab and edom you see uh jordan right or the ishmaelites it's kind of like a little south of there then you have the hagarines who are out of egypt all right same thing all right so let's kind of move forward from here so we see that there are a lot of different descendants that were enemies of israel so it says some of the anakites were giants and i want to kind of look at this because it's important for us to sort of reflect on this so we're going to go to deuteronomy hold on one second let me kind of get some of this out of here i have so many tabs pulled up 
So just give me one moment. Thank you. Okay, so in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 21, it says, They were a people strong and numerous, and as tall as the Anakites. The Lord destroyed them from before the Ammonites, who drove them out and settled in their place. Deuteronomy 9 and 2. The people are strong and tall. Anakites. You know about them and have heard it said, who can stand up against the Anakites? We see in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 10. The Emites used to live there, a people strong and numerous, as tall as the Anakites. So what we see here is that there is a consistency of the Anakites being giants, right? So we see some of the Anakites were giants, according to those scriptures. Some of the Anakites were also descendants of the sons of God, which were mentioned in Genesis chapter six and four. So now I'm about to, I kind of want to shift focus a little bit and um, talk about the sons of God. And so it's kind of, it's important to talk about this because the, the sons of God kind of do play a key role in this. And so uh, I want to talk about the sons of God for a minute. Okay. All right. Now. So we're going to, I want to go to Genesis chapter five. Genesis chapter five, we see from Adam to Noah. Okay. I want to look at the NIV version. It says, this is written. This is the written account of Adam's family line. See, from Adam to Noah. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and his name, and he named him Seth. So I want to point out this scripture here because it's so important to understand that when it talked about Cain being born, let's, let's look at that. I want to pull that up. Okay. Cain. Okay. So we can go to Genesis. This should be in Genesis chapter. Uh, let's go to Genesis chapter three. I think, I think it's chapter two is genesis 2. no 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 it's it's actually genesis 4 I, I think i think it's genesis 4. Cain and abel right so we go to uh so adam made love to his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to cain so i want to point this out it did not say here and remember when we're reading the bible we're always going to analyze it from exegesis right we're just looking at the word through hermeneutics we're studying it exactly as it is as it's written and so adam made love to his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to cain she said with the help of the lord i have brought forth a man 
Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. So you see here that there is some distinction in between the, I, the, the description of Cain and the description of Seth, Genesis chapter 5. Okay? So the description of, of Cain was she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. So let's look. I want to look at the King James Version too. See, hold on one second. The King James Version says, Adam made love to his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. King James said, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. So you really got to pay attention to the King James Version, right? Because it's saying specifically that she conceived and bear a, a, a bear cane. So she had gotten a man from the Lord, just a man. So when you say, when you think of man, you have to think of flesh, just flesh, right? So, so when Eve, when Eve had eaten from the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, she introduced the seed of Satan and the seed of God. Okay. So the seed of God was already there, but the seed of Satan was introduced. And so now you have children of God, you have children of Satan. So Cain clearly allowed anger to consume him. So that this is a first trait of a person giving in to something that is the seed of, from the seed of Satan. So being consumed by desires. So his his desire to give in to anger consumed him, which put him under a curse with God. So we see that I she says, I have gotten a man from the Lord. But when we see in Genesis 5, in verse 3, when Adam had lived 130 years, he had had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named himself. So basically, when God, when we go back, let's go back in Genesis. Because if we go back in Genesis and we'll see how God created Adam, that's, that should be a Genesis. This is should be in Genesis 2 somewhere. So, um, so in God, and the, the Lord God, let's see, and the Lord God, uh, Okay. So we see that God created Adam. So, and Adam gave names to all the cattle, right? But he created, he created them in his image. So God created Adam, God created Adam in his image, in his likeness. And we see this. This happened in Genesis 1 and 27. It wasn't Genesis 2. I thought it was Genesis 2. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, God, God created he, him, male, and female created he, them. Right? 
So when we go back to Genesis 5 and 3, we see that when Adam lived 130 years, he had a son in his likeness. So Adam's likeness is in the likeness of God. Adam's likeness, it says in his own image. It, Adam's image is in the image of God. And so he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived, lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years and then he died. So it talks about all of the sons of God. In Genesis chapter 5. So let's look at Genesis chapter six and four. Now uh, it says there were giants in the earth. Remember I talked about the Anakites were giants and some of them were the sons of God. Remember I said that. So Genesis six and four, um, we see that the Anakites were where? In parts of the promised land. That's why some of them are the descendants of the son of God. Some of them are. That's why I bolded the word some. So you don't take it in a literal aspect and say all Anakites are the sons of God. Don't misinterpret. Please don't misinterpret. Because just like you see Cain and Abel being born, you have a seed of God and a seed of Satan. So, there are children of God and there are children of, of Satan. All right. So we see Genesis 6 and 4 says there were giants in the earth in those days. And also that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bear children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. So. I want to point out here and I'm, I want to kind of fast forward a moment and um talk about how some scholars they indicate that the sons of god are demons which cannot be true because i'm, I'm going to look at that but I, I i have scriptures to show and prove that the sons of god are not demons they are in fact children of god they are sons of god and they are from the bloodline from Seth into Noah. So we see here that the, the, there were giants in the, in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men and they bare children of them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. They, the sons of God had children with women and that children became mighty men which were old and they were considered men of renown so i want i want to look at this word men of renown okay um we're gonna look this up <laughs> in uh genesis i'm sorry in the strong concordance remember we we go back to the strong concordance to analyze the hebrew scrolls and also look at it from greek because it gives us the english translation so renown the word renown here renown out of genesis chapter 6 verse 4 it means what conspicuous position 
as a mark of memorial of individuality and implication of honor, authority, character, renown. So going back to this scripture, Genesis 6 and 4, we see that the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bare children to them. And they became mighty men, which were old men of renown. So renown is men of honor. They are men of honor. Do you understand that? Not demons as some of these Jews. Now I'm trying to figure out what, what Jews is the book of Revelation 3 and 9 talking about. Let's go back to Revelation 3 and 9. Revelation 3 and verse 9, it says, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. So they are from the synagogue of Satan, these so-called Jews. So who is really calling the sons of God demons? The only way that you could misinterpret such a renowned word as the word renown clearly is listed in genesis chapter six and four men of renown clearly in a strong's concordance it is strong's number zero eight three four which the word renown means honor it never says anything about a demon okay so the men of renown is the sons of God. These are their children. Their children, the sons of God that were that that lay with women. Right? They had children that were considered mighty. Mighty. Mighty men, which were of old, men of renown, which she is saying, men of honor. All right. So it's a whole bunch of more verses to look at. So we're going to look at. So we see in Genesis 5, it discusses the sons of God, which were from Seth to Noah. And we also see this in Luke chapter 3. So Luke chapter 3 also confirms. Luke chapter 3 also confirms it, right? Um. So let's look here. Let's look in Luke chapter 3. Okay. Wait one second here. My my computer doing what it want. Can't be doing what it want. Okay. So we see in Luke chapter three, it talks about um the genealogy of Jesus. And so I have already put this here. Um, I actually have like a little condensed uh a photo here where it shows the sons of God, which is starts from Seth, Enos, Canaan, Mahalalel, Jared, uh, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah. And you see from Eve, her serpent, sons of men, which are from Satan's seed. You see Cain, Enoch, Irit, Mahajalu. Matashalu, Lemic. So it's two, two, two different Lemics. 
And so you see that from Genesis chapter 4 and 26, that these men began to call upon the name of the Lord. So that's just simple as that. And when you look at, at Luke chapter 3, verses 23 through 38, you see if you start all the way down from verse 38 and go up, it starts from Adam, Seth. It starts from Seth on up. Seth, Enoch, Malalil, which is the son of Calne. Then you have uh, the son of Afrix. The you you have all of these sons, the son of Jed, the son of Obed. The, you have all of them, and it goes all the way up into Jesus. Hold on a second. Okay, so we see that, which is from what you see. So, so we see that the the son, the sons of God, are from Seth to Noah. Period. Okay, and we confirm this in Luke chapter three. You you all can look at the 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 line there, the genealogy. So you see the uh the seed of Satan come from Cain, Enoch, Irit, Mahajalil, Methuselah, Lemek. Ada, Jabal, Jabal, from Zila, Tubal-Cain, Neymar, and then you have Seth to Noah. Seth, Enos, Cain, uh, Kainan, Mahalalil, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lemek, and Noah. Those are the sons of God. It's, it's not hard to understand that. All right, so now I'm going to move forward a little bit. I'm going to still talk about the sons of God. But so now we see on the contrary... You see that these scholars indicate that the sons of God guys are demons. They call them demons, which this cannot be true as they state because the scriptures debunk these claims. We see this in Romans. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 and 14. It says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So the people that this scripture, Romans 8 and 14, for as many are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The next, it says in Job chapter 38 in verse seven. Okay. We see that the sons of God shouts for joy. It says when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That's no indication of a demon. And if you look here in Romans chapter eight, verse 19, we're going to, you can look at this whole entire book though, Romans chapter eight, but I'm just going to look at Romans eight and verse 19. It says for the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. So you see the manifestation is from the sons of God that people, we creatures, we people, we wait on the manifestation of the sons of God. Period. 
So we are waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. And I, I have this other photo uh, here. It talks about this. And let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. So that's, that's 1 John 31. So if someone is misinterpreting the scriptures in such a way to call the sons of God demons, that is so untrue. Nowhere in the scripture does it reference the sons of God as demons. The sons of men are demons. The sons of Satan, the children of Satan. So 1 John 3 and 1, see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. That's the NIV version. Let's look at the King James. King James says that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew, it knew him not. So all of the seeds come from the, from the sons of God not the seed of Satan, okay? And we see that in Romans 8 and 14 and 1 John 3 and 1. Then we can look here in 1 John 3 and 2. First, I'm sorry, let's go to, so yeah, we see this 1 John 3 and 2. We also see this in, in John chapter 1, verse 12. Go to John chapter 1, verse 12. Okay? And so... All of this stuff is debunked, period. So if you hear somebody say that the sons of God, God, the son of God, the sons of God are demons, it's untrue. It's not. It's all in the Bible. It's all right here, everything. So in John chapter one, verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's the NIV. But the, the King James says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So what that means is that we as believers of God, we are sons of God. We are coming from the descendants of God's seed, which is from Seth to Noah. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So we are coming from the seeds of God, from Seth and Noah. So we see next, we see that in Job 2 and chapter 1, the sons of God present themselves to God. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on one second. I want to put this okay i think i'm gonna end on that tonight because i'm already at the two hour mark so and i still have a bunch of other scriptures left so i'm gonna end tonight you all so hopefully i should be able to get done i'm halfway there so hopefully i'll get done with this segment of understanding the conflict of israel and palestine all right so thank you all so much for joining me tonight let me go ahead and pray Father God, thank you so much for allowing us to be your descendants through your sons of God. Lord, 
We appreciate you. Thank you for allowing us to have the ability to have the power that comes from the sons of God and which is the power of you, the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for thank you for making us your seeds, your children, God. And we appreciate you today and forever, God. Thank you that we will not be deceived, Lord, because you said in the last day, even the elect will be deceived. Father God, do not let us be deceived. Let us follow you. Keep our hearts softened and melted for you, God. Let no man deceive us because we have the mind of Christ and therefore no weapon formed against us shall prosper in the name of Jesus. And so God, we ask that you remove every barrier, every obstacle out of our path and let us be able to understand you through our communication with you, God. Thank you for giving us the ability to commune with you we appreciate you god and we thank you for being in our life thank you for giving us revelation understanding and uh per thank you for unblocking our ears everyone ears who was blocked is now unblocked in the name of jesus christ everyone who didn't perceive or understand can now perceive and understand your word we just thank you god for giving us a part of your perspective so that we can see things from your eyes and ears and not see them from ours and so we thank you god that we're seeing people and hearing them the way that you see and hear them and so we thank you in the name of jesus christ please allow your will to be done not ours or anyone else's but yours in the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen.